Good morning. <laughs> I am uh, Marcia, Marcia Staples. And um, going to be ministering this morning. And um, I told Pastor Chris that this was going to be kind of a, an old school kind of ministry. Okay. Because um, I hope that you have these with you this morning because you will be using them. Um, but you will see from time to time the word move in motion this morning. Um, I have one of my beautiful daughters with me this morning who also ministers in movement. Um, I want to thank Pastor Chris and Pastor James for asking me. And after I got over being um, overwhelmed about being asked and listened to what the Lord was saying, I believe that what you will hear this morning is something that he wants, especially this house, to hear. Um, it is about worship. But we're going to take it a little bit further this morning. We're going to uh, input into our spiritual formation because we just can't stay at one point as we take this journey in the Lord, as we come before him and really begin to enter in into what he has for us. So that I say to you this morning, as you see and hear the word in motion, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery for burnt offerings. I will direct their work in truth and will make with them an everlasting covenant. This is the word of the Lord. That word comes from Isaiah 61, I'm sure you know, verses 1 through 3 and then 8. This morning I would like to share some time with you and challenge you to think about worship 
but as worship as a response to God's call for justice. You see, there is a component contained in worship that goes beyond our singing, our dancing, our speaking, our drawing, all of the giftings that God has placed within us. And as someone who is involved in the worship arts, I can tell you that it can become quite comfortable to become the type of artist who just comes before the group or the congregation or wherever you may be called to go and just do that thing, you know, just do that thing that you do. It's, um, it's important to know that there is more contained in our worship as, as we are to mature in the word of God. And part of that, a large part of it, is because we serve a God of justice, our part is to do acts of justice. This is part of your worship. I come from uh, the National Baptist Church, the Missionary Baptist Church. I'm a TPK, a terrible preacher's kid. I'm one of seven, and I can tell you that um, from the time of my growing up, I've seen different kinds of worship, you know, um, different expressions of worship. That's not necessarily what I'm here to talk about this morning, not the service of worship itself. The service of worship, it contains uh, songs that we heard this morning, expressions of praise and movement. It can contain drawing. It can contain lots of things. And there's always debate upon that, you know, like, well, you know, we like the hymns. Well, we like the contemporary. Well, we like the emergent. We like the convergent. We, we is just all about us. I want to move past that this morning. I feel that it's especially appropriate for this house because of the mission of this house. Go Church, called from the nations to reach the nations at home and abroad. And this is part of the calling that God has upon us through our worship to do acts of justice. And so I know, like you said, well, what do you mean about justice? Let's, let's examine some uh, definitions of justice just to give us a parameter to work from. Justice, the quality of being just fairness, the principle of moral rightness, equity, being equal, conformity to moral righteous, rightness in action or attitude, righteousness. I found that that was a very interesting part that was contained in this particular definition of justice because it, it noted righteousness. We serve a God of righteousness, correct? Hmm. So what does that mean for us as believers of this God? And as we bring our worship before him, it's very, um, especially in this nation, in the Western church, we have become so very accustomed to just kind of 
when we gather, we kind of know what's going to go down. You know what I'm saying? We, you know, we, you know, we're going to come, we're going to sing, we're going to hear the word, we're going to do this. And then we can go home and we can do, you know, the games coming on later on today, you know. People will come over and then we just, you know, oh, okay. Hmm. Called from the nations to reach the nations at home and abroad. How does that fit in with your worship? What does that have to do with worship? What does that have to do with justice? Some of the ways that we can identify with this, especially in this body, is because there, this body has a heart for the community around it. That's not to say that other churches don't. But we've been involved at different levels, some of us individually and some of us corporately, in being part of becoming part of this community. In the future, I believe it was scheduled for yesterday, we were going to do an outreach at the Twin Canals Village. We're still going to do that. Did you know that that's part of your worship? That's part of your worship. That's the part of your worship that takes you out of your comfort zone. That's the part of your worship that calls for more than just, oh, okay, we're singing, we're praising, you know, we, we're all here and we're all together and we're all of one accord because we all come from the same foundation. But when you are called by a God of justice to go forth and do acts of justice, among people that you do not know, that you do not have relationship with necessarily, other than the fact that God has called us to love one another. It kind of changes your act of, of, of worship then. I found it especially um, helpful to follow the Psalms when we began to talk about worship and justice. There is a, por a portion in Psalm 68, and I'm going to read, I think, verses 4 through 6. And this is one of the Psalms of, of David where he talks about worship, but there is the portion from the portion that I'm going to read, there is also a description about this God. In verse 4, he says, sing to God, sing praises to his name, extol him who rides on the clouds by his name, Yah, and rejoice before him. And then comes the description of this God who we worship and praise. He is a father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Hmm. He is the father to the fatherless. And so we are called also, we worship this God. We have been called to be fathers, mothers, 
to those who are without family. In Psalm 94, understand you senseless among the people and you fools when you will be wise. He who planted the ear, shall he not hear? He who formed the eye, shall he not see? He who instructs the nations, shall he not correct? He who teaches man knowledge, the Lord knows the thoughts of man, that they are futile. The Bible points us to a God who is a God of justice, who does acts of righteousness, who is compassionate and caring. So it becomes more than about a verse and two choruses. It becomes more than about how high you can reach that note or how well you can do that riff on the guitar, or how strong your drum beat is, or how well you can memorize and be before the public. Worship is a very dangerous act. I believe that a couple of weeks ago when Pastor Jane was up, she talked about um, how being here at Go Church is a wonderful place to be, but it's also kind of a dangerous place. I read a book called The Dangerous Act of Worship. It's written by a man named Mark Laberton. And as Pastor Chris has um, alluded to before, that when you're in school, and I'm in school, you read a lot of books. You read a lot of books. You you have to take in a lot. But this was one book that I can say that in my lifetime really impacted me because we are all God's people and we all love to worship, yes? We all love to worship, yes? We all just love to come in and we raise our hands and we, oh, yeah, man, oh, yeah, I love to worship. what some of the things that impacted me that he had to say. Worship names what matters most. The way human beings are created to reflect God's glory by embodying God's character in lives that seek righteousness and do justice. Worship turns out to be the dangerous act of waking up to God and to the purposes of God in the world, and then living lives that actually show it. <laughs> Worship can name a Sunday gathering of God's people, but it also includes how we treat those around us, how we spend our money, and how we care for the lost and the oppressed. Worship can encompass every dimension of our lives. You see, it's very easy to come before you for those of us who have become accustomed to standing before 
the congregation, and we're in our comfort zone, as I said before. But when we leave this place, each and every one of us, whether you ever minister by yourself or with a group or, or wherever God may send you, what is your worship when you leave this place? What acts of kindness, what acts of compassion? That's part of your worship. As you watch the word in motion for two psalms, Psalm 103 and Psalm 140, the Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and justice for the poor. Surely the righteous shall give thanks to his name. The upright shall dwell in your presence. This is the word of the Lord. So then, how do we, how do we put this in action? You know, With all that went on last week, we were in a week of a hurricane. <laughs> I never thought that I would, we experienced, <laughs> I, was, I was at work, you know, um, and I thought, you know, I'm a little loopy anyway, so I was sitting, you know, behind my desk, and all of a sudden I was like, whoa, whoa. And people came out of their offices, and they were like, what was that? You know, and we looked outside, and people came outside, and people were outside. And I was like, today, Lord? <laughs> I was like, really, Lord, today? Because we don't know. And then um, we got past you know, the, the, the earthquake. And we had to prepare again. And I, I'm from the Midwest. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, Woohoo! Uh, <laughs> originally, we've been in this area for about um, 14 years. And so um, we are the tornado people in the Midwest, and um, extreme heat, cold. You know, they close the schools here for two inches of snow. <laughs> Please. In my time, and I've been around here for quite some time, um, we went to school through everything, you know. We just, just put on your stuff and just went out the door. And so in preparing for the, the, the hurricane for Irene, I began to think about, you know, Lord, everything is in your hands. Everything is in your hands. And sometimes when these types of events come upon us, we want just a little more time. You know, we want, because, Lord, I haven't done this and I haven't done that. 
and oh, I shouldn't have spoke to them like that. And <laughs> if you just give me a little time, Lord, give me just a little, I'll go back and I'll make it right. Or, um, Father, I, I really want a, to get a chance to uh, go out and be part of ministering to other people outside of the capacity in which people usually see any of us. I, I look forward to seeing the day with, uh, we said we were going to form a, 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 a group with, not a group, a duo with Pastor Chris and Ron. <laughs> Can't you just see them, huh? <laughs> we said we went to the outreach. <laughs> we were going to have Pastor Chris and Ron. Hey, hey, just up doing their thing. This, of course, would stretch them beyond their comfort zone, and it could become part of their worship. <laughs> kind of stretching things there a little. However, how does your worship go when you leave here? I'm not talking about you know, keeping a song in your heart that or a prayer on your lips. These are things that we're supposed to be set to do anyway. We're supposed to be ready like in season and out of season. But I am talking about the, the world in a larger context. What's your take on the poor? You know, the abused, um, the outcast, the homeless. If a homeless person came into this service or had been sitting outside today, would the homeless person still be sitting outside today? This is not a guilt trip, by the way. This is the word of the Lord. In the times that are coming, I believe that the people of God are going to have to be ready to express their worship even in more tangible ways. We're always going to be able to sing or move. God bless you, young man. To speak, to act. But what is going to be the call upon us from a God of justice, we worship God. Oh, we love him. We love him. I can tell you a story about a little girl that I know. She's here today. She's my oldest granddaughter. I have 10 grandchildren. My husband and I have seven adult children and 10 grandchildren. I want to tell you the story about a little girl who impressed me very, very much when she was very young. Serena loved Elmo. Serena loved Elmo. Let me tell you how much she loved Elmo. One day, because I knew she loved Elmo, and for those of you who are not grandmothers but who will live to become them, you will buy them everything. You will get silly little stuff. So every time I would go past Elmo here. So I bought Serena. She had an Elmo beach chair, and she had a big Elmo beach towel. And she had... Um, she was looking at her, her little VCR, and she had an Elmo uh, movie in there, and Serena was entirely naked. 
And Serena took that Elmo tile and she wrapped it around her and she sat in her beach chair and she was before Elmo. <laughs> and I watched that child and I said, that's how we're supposed to love God. Serena was naked before him. She wrapped herself in him, and she listened to his voice. And had Elmo commanded Serena to do acts of justice, she would have. And I tell you today that out of that example, as we worship before a God of justice and righteousness, as we wrap ourselves in his songs and lift our hands before him, and when he calls us to do acts of justice, where will we be? Will we wrap ourselves? Or will we be? It's a little uncomfortable, Lord. She's a little dirty, Father. I don't know these people, Father. I, I just don't think I'm called to that, Lord. You know, I'm called to uh, I'm called to the up and outer. Well, let's go back to Psalm 68, where it says, He brings out those who are bound into prosperity. You can have lots of money, Mr. Trump. Oprah and be bound in prosperity. And you need, these are the people who need to be brought out by acts of worship and justice. So then, how's our personal response going to be to God and what he calls us to do um, how, how many here have had the experience of, of going on even a short-term mission trip? Okay. How many of you talk to your neighbors next door? How many of us know our neighbors? I mean, like, you know, aside from good morning, hello, hi. I'm not talking about taking, the, you know, hello, good morning, I am a Christian, and we're having a service at our church, and we would love for you to come. No, good morning. How are you doing this morning? Do you need anything? We are in such a time here in this country that the church is going to be called upon. We, this is where it started, and this is where it's going to go back. There is nothing new under the sun. The church has always been the body that provided for the needs of those who were oppressed. This country is reeling from the economic circumstances in which it finds itself right now. And oh, we could say, you know, it's because of this and it's because of that or this is the retribution of this or that. We do not know, but we do know according to God's word that these times were going to come. 
and that in these times, our response through our worship is that we're going to have to be called to these people. There are people, oh my gosh, you can look at television any day. Um, I looked at a family, this is a family of nine, had been doing very well, father employed. I don't know if the mom had to work outside of the home, but she was working in the home. They had everything, and then they had nothing. They were in the up and outers. We're not talking about the people that um, sometimes this city tries to overlook. Virginia Beach has homeless. Virginia Beach has homeless people. Virginia Beach has an area that is saturated with people. They send people from the government down into an area in Virginia Beach to check on the homeless. These are the homeless who do not have places uh, that they can stay. They must be out and in the open and in the environment. Where's your worship then? This is not a guilt trip. This is God's word. You see, this is the easy part. This is the easy part. This is the easy part. I believe that we are in a time that is going to call for us to strip away all of this stuff and just get down with it. This would be a song kind of back in my background that I knew called Get Down On It. You're going to have to get down on it. You're going to have to get down with those who have been abused. This is your worship. Think of when you're sitting with someone who has not had a home or a bath, that it is the raising of your hand, that it is the song from your lips, that it is the movement in your feet. So then what should our personal response be regarding our worship with, of God and our relationship with the poor and the oppressed and your neighbor and that person in your classroom who really seems to be kind of withdrawn because of some stuff going on in their lives that they don't look like everybody else. What should be your response? Well, the Bible says, and we will see the word in motion, that our worship will be measured by how we have lived. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. 
for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty? and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick and in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. This is the word of the Lord. Matthew 25, 31 through 36. If we worship Jesus Christ, we are to live like Jesus Christ. Luke 9, 23 through 24. Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whosoever loses his life for my sake, will save it. That doesn't sound like a lot of swaying of hands going on, does it? It sounds like from a God of justice's perspective, there are some things that we should prepare ourselves to lose. There is quite a difference between being socially conscious and being called to worship through from a God of justice. Tell you a story about somebody uh, I used to be. You see, I came through the 60s and the 70s. Black power to the people. Man, let me tell you, I was a piece of work. Sister Taliba, where are my children? Yes, I have another daughter here. We, at, at one time in our lives, we belonged to a group called the Black Law Society. And we were all about the blackness. I'm sorry, white people. We was all about the blackness. And we was all about, we didn't have room for nobody else. No white folk. Sorry, Hispanics, y'all might have been close, but not close enough. 
Asian people. Oh, Lord, forgive me. So I was socially conscious, but I was a mess. Lord have mercy. Do you? Because trying to enact justice without the precept and the foundation of the God of righteousness, you are headed for utter destruction. Trying to enact justice without the precepts and the foundations of the God of righteousness will put you on a road for utter destruction and such foolishness and waste of time. So you can be socially conscious. Um, yes, racism exists. It still exists now. Um, Sexism, all of the isms, they are still with us because we are all human. We, are, we have humanity in us. We, our flesh rises. We like that thing. I'm going to tell you, man, I told some white folks some stuff. Jesus. So that while I thought that I was being you know, getting things justified. You know, give us our reparations. Hey, man, I still take my 48% of mule right now. They could throw in an Escalade with it today, though. I tell you, I was a wreck, and my children were being brought up in this because we are supposed to raise our children but in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And you know, in blackness time, he really couldn't have had a hard time getting in unless you were part of the school of the whole black theology thing where everybody was black, everybody. I mean, if you, if you could not talk about Jesus because Jesus had been portrayed as this white guy with the long flowing hair and the blue eyes. And then, you know, you get into this thing about, you know, well, um, where was the Garden of Eden? Oh, my. And it is where it is. It is where God put it. I say that because sometimes we can just become very socially responsible, you know, and, and we want to go out and we do these. We get involved sometimes. You can become deceived sometimes if you do not keep your worship and the God of justice at the very foundation of what you are doing. We are called in our neighborhoods. We are called on our jobs, whatever your vocation is. In your classrooms, we are called. Our worship will compel us always to be mindful of the compassion and righteousness of God. Again, Psalm 68, 4 through 6. Sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds by his name, Yah, and rejoice before him. A father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound in prosperity, but the rebellious 
dwell in a dry land. Our God, because he is a God of justice and he is a God of righteousness and because he knows what we need to do, he has set a requirement for us who call ourselves worshipers of the true and living God for the things that we are to do and with the word in motion. According to Micah 6 and 8, our worship will involve honoring God's requirement for being involved in acts of justice and kindness. Micah states, what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly before our God? So, as I get ready to go, some of you received, and if you did not, there was an insert that was in your um, bulletin. If you don't have them, you can raise your hand, and Serena, the lover of Elmo, has some, and she's going to give them to you. How change will come about is that we will become kingdom-minded and kingdom-hearted, thinking beyond our race, our job, our money, our class, and what we consider to be life's priorities. And I believe that this mission is especially important to Go Church because of its, its commitment to trans-ethnicity, and global outreach. We have to come beyond this or what we have in our pockets or what we don't have, the people that we like to associate with and the people that we don't know. If you don't know your neighbors, and I, I tell you that this came really, uh, Pastor Chris, um, I think it was in the prayer meeting before Irene. He said, you know, prepare for it, you know, do your preparation, check on your neighbors. And that stuck with me, I, you know, because our neighbors next door, we, we kind of know them, but we really, you know, they've been to our house sometime, but not a lot. So before the hurricane, and this is no kudos to me, because maybe if Pastor Chris hadn't said it, maybe I wouldn't have done it. But I believe that he was inspired because of who he is and because of who he serves. I went and I asked my neighbor, do you need anything? Do you all have everything that you need? And I believe that that began something even bigger. See, we, you have to start somewhere. We serve a God of justice and of righteousness. And he, he commands us. It is part of our worship to him. If these are things that you are not involved in, 
if this is all that you are involved in, that's a good thing. But there is more, and there is more that will form you spiritually as you become a worshiper of the God of justice. Be a kingdom citizen. Be a kingdom citizen who, because of the one that we worship, the one that we wrap ourselves in, and that we lay back in, and that we Be more than just what is easy for you as a worshiper. Because you heard what was said in Matthew, that when you come before the throne, he will not ask some of the things that you would want him to ask. He has appeared to us I believe in many, many forms. Sometimes we pass people on the street. Sometimes we see somebody and we just kind of keep going. But sometimes you feel that little tug to go back. That's the God of justice, the God that embodies the Holy Spirit. That part, can I help you? Sometimes you don't say anything. Sometimes just a dollar. Sometimes just looking at that person, eye to eye, is what they need to be uplifted. How many times have we needed and gone to God and said, Father, look at me. Can you see me? This is the God of justice. This is our worship. As I'm really closing now, Pastor Chris. There is a song by a, a contemporary artist. His name is Tim Hughes, and it's called The God of Justice. I want you to listen to just these words. God of justice, savior to all, came to rescue the weak and the poor, chose to serve and not to be served. Jesus, you have called us. Freely we've received now freely we will give. We must go. Live to feed the hungry. Stand beside the broken. We must go. Stepping forward. Keep us from just singing. Move us into action. We must if you would stand we're just going to as we get ready to go and we're listening to this song greater things are yet to come Greater things are still to be done in this city. Greater things have yet to come. Greater things are still to be done in this city.
as you look at your piece of paper, the words that are in bold, we're going to say together. I'll read the first line. In the midst of a world where people hunger and thirst, come, worship a God who feeds the hungry. In the midst of a world where people are abused and oppressed, come, worship a God who calls for compassion and justice. In the midst of a world filled with wars and rumors of wars, come, worship a God who desires nothing less than peace for the world. In the midst of a world of spiritual emptiness. Come, worship a God who gives life meaning. Come, worship a God whose grace and love know no end. In this city, because we serve a God of justice and righteousness and compassion. Have your way in us, Lord God. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. 